is abbymartin.org, A-B-B-Y-M-A-R-T-I-N.org. Welcome to the program, Abby. It's great to have you. How, how, how dare you speak your mind and then put it out all over the place? <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to be on Coast to Coast. I can't tell you how many late nights I had driving throughout the country listening to the program. So thank you so much for the time. Well, you know, a lot of people uh, out there like uh, like Coast because of the paranormal stuff, you know, spooks and ghosts and so forth. But generally, I, I deal with the spooks that are with the security services and uh, those who have gone ghost and maybe even rogue. So yeah, I understand exactly. you got cross with uh, you got cross with Rand Paul, asking him a qu- asking him a question. You know, people tell me all the time, you know, you're a right wing lunatic or you're a left wing wacko or you're a Zionist or you're a Nazi. I mean, it just depends on what mood they're in. Uh, some of them. And, yeah, uh, so- we like these divisive labels, you know to trap us mentally to prevent us from really talking about the issues well simplifying uh, uh, people with uh, labels also simplifies the conversation and sometimes simple just doesn't get it don't you find yeah exactly so what happened with you in the the... Ron Rand Paul Um, when I when I first uh, moved to DC I I had no idea the way that things operated here I thought that you could just ask uh, politicians that we pay for with our tax dollars questions that you know, their constituents wanted to know the answers to. And I yep. found out really quickly that that's not the way D.C. operates at all. It's a small bubble. You have to have everything vetted. You have to be pre-approved. And if you're not, then you get the hammer down hard on you, which is what I experienced with someone that I used to admire a lot. So tell everybody, um, yeah, me too, up until um, I saw that video clip, and I wasn't even aware it existed until I, I found out you were going to be on the program, and I got into it, and I went, oh, no, this is disappointing. So uh, right. tell everybody the question and and, uh, and tell them the response. Yeah, well, be- before I, I get into that, I just wanted to tell everyone, you know, I'm a huge fan of Ron Paul. Uh, always have been. I really admire his tenacity and his uh, steadfast resolution with civil liberties and, and curbing back the military-industrial complex. So, you know, I thought that his son was right in that same vein of thought. And um, when he endorsed blanketly Mitt Romney, after Mitt Romney had shown himself to be an outright warmongering neocon who was, uh, you know, voted for the NDAA, the authorization of use of military force, which could indefinitely detain American citizens without the right to trial, um, I asked him about that in, you know, in the halls of Congress with my pre-approved Senate press pass, um, and he ignored the question, and I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that. And then about a week later, RT got phone calls from the Capitol Police threatening to come and arrest me for stalking and harassment <laughs> for Rand Paul. And it was a lot of these empty threats being thrown around on the phone, and I had to go meet with this small elite group of of all the heads of all the bureaus of different organizations that were in the media in the Capitol, and they just kind of told me, you know, this is not the way things work. You can't just come in here. We've worked for years and years to get this access. And I was just like, this is crazy. I mean, so you're basically telling me that, I can't do my job because you guys have have worked so hard to get these vetted, pre-approved appearances. I mean, that's that's just ridiculous, and that's just the way the media operates, John. So what did they do? Just call you in and to the circular table, and everybody put those looks on their faces and just sort of glower at you like, "Oh, you're such a grave disappointment. How could you possibly <laughs> violate this protocol?" Is it one of those exactly. deals? Exactly. The the interrogation lights were on. I was sweating. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? 
Um, but then it all just turned out to be completely empty threats because there was really nothing to go on. I was approved to be there. It was just a complete intimidation force to tell me, you know, you can't do this. Um, how dare you break the, the code of conduct of the way that these, this elite journalistic entity operates in, in the belly of the beast. And, you know, you can't just waltz in here and, and kind of undermine that. <laughs> wow. So now tell us about breaking the set. Breaking the Set is a show that I tried to bring kind of the vision that I had for Media Roots into fruition into a daily talk show. It's a very aggressive political show. I don't hide the way I feel. Um, I feel like all journalism, um, if you're not biased and you're not telling the truth, um, it, it's time to stop tiptoeing around these issues that we know are completely unlawful and unconstitutional, and we need to start calling them out. So Breaking the Set's really about just breaking the, the pre-established rules that are set in society um, all across the spectrum, whether it be religious, political, scientific, technological. I mean, just, just really challenging all this conventional wisdom that holds these archaic belief systems that just don't apply to the 21st century anymore. And so I'm just there challenging and undermining the establishment in every, every sense of the way, calling out the real players behind the game, criticizing the corporatocracy, challenging the U.S. empire, and calling out both sides of the spectrum. I think the false left-right paradigm is really hindering a lot of progress and intellectual dialogue in this country and pitting people against each other when really we can really unite and fight against the system. Do you find that, um, well, we've all, I mean, anybody who's paying attention has some major complaints with mainstream media. It, it has not escaped my attention that the moment that any sort of story of, of you know, worth mentioning uh, breaks out, no matter what network you put it on, it, it's almost as though they're reading from the same script. How, how does that happen? Well, yeah, and it happens on the local and state level, which is extremely terrifying if you think about it. Um, it it's amazing, and I, and I think it happens for a lot of reasons. It's a lot of laziness, it's a lot of self-censorship, and it's a lot of just towing the line. And when people criticize me for being on RT and call me a propagandist for Russia and, you know, all, all these kind of blanket ad hominem attacks without actually criticizing the content that I present. Um, it's, it's easy for them to kind of dismiss me, but it's hard for them to look at the entire corporate media apparatus and criticize that when really what you just said is very on point, which is that they echo the exact same narratives. And that, to me, is much more scary because when you see an apparatus that's completely corporatized and they're parroting the same line as the political establishment that might as well be state-run. So it really shows you some great inside of who's really running this country, if they're selling the same wars and the same exact political rhetoric as you see coming from our political uh, establishment. And that's, that's very disconcerting. And then you see on a local level, um, Conan O'Brien has exposed this very well, where you'll see every single news reporter repeating literally the exact same script. The Easter Bunny has a step in its hop this year. Um, you'll, you'll see these people repeating the same exact line because they get fed a script, literally, and there's just no question at all. And something as, you know, trivial as something like an economic update on the stock market or whatever is nothing. But if you're getting fed a script about, let's say, a terrorist attack, I mean, how dangerous is that to just kind of repeat something without any investigative journalism at all, without even looking at the sources or, or re-establishing whatever your personal opinion is on the matter? I mean, that to me is just shows you the complete lack of journalism in this country today. Do you find that, um, now I'm going to estimate that you're in the demographic of uh, 18 to 35. Correct. Okay, good. Do you find that um, 
that's you know that's a, <laughs> that's a mm-hmm. kind of a wide swath, but you know, um, do you find that the young people are are waking up or or are they? Um, you know, I had Mark Dice on the program one time, and uh, we were talking about his infanticide deal, where he's going around trying to get people to sign up for uh, the infanticide program, where people can relieve themselves of the burden of raising the children up to age three. And he's going, just give me a name and a birth date, and they're writing their names and their birth dates down, going, yeah, thanks, well, thanks a lot, pal. Uh, are 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 the is the younger generation working or uh, waking up to this? And when I say younger generation, I'm talking you know 35 and younger. I think absolutely they are, and you see uh, uh, the entire corporate media establishment is becoming completely irrelevant, and I think it's no longer about appealing to them to hear our message and to tell our message. It's time to make them completely irrelevant and tune them out and to create our own mediums of expression, and that's what we're seeing blossom. I mean, uh, social media and the renaissance of citizen journalism happening around the world is super inspiring. And I think we saw with Occupy Wall Street, it was a really amazing movement in its fruition and its inception because it came after Obama got elected and after this global financial collapse. And so you saw a lot of youth galvanized around this, this kind of revolutionary ideal of, of changing and challenging the fundamental system that we live, which was kind of a new concept. I mean, we've seen movements before resisting certain ideas, you know, the Vietnam War, civil rights, um, or promoting civil rights, trying to get them. But the Occupy Wall Street movement was so organic and it was so new, and and it gave me great hope because I saw kind of these people waking up to the two-party dictatorship and realizing that we're not going to get change on this federal level. We're not going to get sucked into this kind of manufactured movement um, from the top down, and we really need to start from the bottom up. And, of course, the federalized crackdowns of militarized riot cops pushed all the camps and and terrorized all the people. Um, But that was really, you know, that, that sentiment didn't go away. And I'm seeing just with social media now, people are really waking up. They're tuning into all these alternative media sources, and it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm super inspired by it. I have complete faith in humanity to turn things around. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't believe in us. Uh, We're at a peak right now, though, where things can go very bad or things can go great. And um, it's a beautiful time to be living. You know, just bouncing back to uh, the the, um, prescribed talking points, Every time I see the uh, the White House spokesman, uh, Jay Carney, come on the air, from it's like from the nose up. If you look at his eyes, what I'm reading there is, I really need this job, and I really hate this job because I'm going to have to give a bunch of uh, off-the-shelf answers that I know aren't going to make any sense. And from the nose down, you know, he's he's trying to come across as, yes, this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but, and how dare you question what I'm saying here. <laughs> and from the nose up, it's like, I know they're not buying this, and, and we're not buying it. So what you said a minute ago was really kind of telling. For you to just walk up to him, walk up to uh, Senator Paul and, and say, you know how? Why are you? How can you su- support this uh, this candidate? And for him to and I saw the video. He just ignored you and kept walking. Mm-hmm. And, and then for you to be called on the carpet like that, that pretty much says it all, doesn't it? So my question okay. is, where are the marching orders or the talking orders coming from? I mean, above the White House? Do we do we even care to hazard a guess? I mean, I, I would say it's very, it's, you know, it, we can talk about the New World Order, the Illuminati, or we can talk about reality, which is that there's a corporatocracy that's hidden in plain sight. I mean, you just have to look at the 120 boards of directors that are sitting on all of these industries that are, cross over into each other, and you see the massive bribes going on to these congressional representatives, and the, the revolving door is so 
blatant. I mean, it's just it's it's almost absurd how just openly corrupt this system is that they're not even trying to hide it. And so I think the marching orders just come from their financial interests, which are just completely published online. I mean, a lot of it's, of course, hidden. The lobbying is out of control. Um, But it it is really just corporations. I mean, it's just really sad to say that that's, that's where their orders are coming from. It's all about maximizing the bottom line, which is maximization of profit year after year, and whether it be the surveillance state, the military-industrial complex, Monsanto, Nestle, I mean, this is this is what's going on. It's a stark reality, but, you know, you mentioned Jay Carney, and you also mentioned Diane Feinstein opening the show. I mean, I can't I can't think of anyone else right now other than Dianne Feinstein that's just kind of exposing this two-party paradigm as just a complete sham. I mean, here you have this Democrat who's not only, you know, pushing forward for this media shield law to just protect only corporate media and corporate journalists, but you also have her completely promoting the NSA surveillance state. You also have her trying to revive CISPA. It's like, who who are you? I mean, it's just like, who, do these people have no souls? I mean, they have to know <laughs> how awful they are and, and, I mean, how awful these policies are and how undemocratic to their core. And, and I mean, these people are just such liars. I mean, Jay Carney and, and I mean, all the press secretaries, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they are pathological. But I just look at the entire political establishment. I mean, these people are actors and that's what it's so tragic about even trusting them remotely because they're complete strangers to us i don't know any politicians personally um i can't vouch for any of them personally so it's just hard to trust people on rhetoric alone and actually buy into lies when you see the actions that are perpetuating war crimes on a massive level and insane hypocrisy um especially when we're claiming moral authority to intervene in nations preemptively that might accumulate some sort of threat in the future. I mean, I just, it's just beyond hypocrisy to me. Yeah. You know, the thing that gets me is, uh, like, let's take um, Secretary Kerry. All the blowing up bodies, cutting off feet, blowing up eyeballs, throwing toupees into ditches. I mean, all of these heinous war crimes that he listed off. I'm going to throw my medals over the White House fence in protest back in the day when he had uh, Harris about as long as it is now. And it turns out it was somebody else's medals. <laughs> and now it's like, well, 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 but wait a minute. We really kind of need to blow stuff up in Syria. Syrians are killing other Syrians, and therefore we must kill some Syrians and send them the message that only we are allowed to kill Syrians. Syrians may not kill other Syrians. I mean, how do you how do you reconcile a man who comes on like that is as an anti-war protester who seems to be falling all over himself to get into Syria. And happily, that's been stalled. And now Putin looks like a good guy. That's kind of a stretch. Isn't it a trip? The reality that we're living in is completely Orwellian. Yeah, you have this guy who used to be an anti-war activist standing next to John Lennon, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> telling, talking about ending the Vietnam War. And here he is, you know, uh, his face seems to grow as much of his, as much as his lies do. Uh, but Kerry, you know, out there... You know, first of all, you have Obama declaring that America is exceptional. I mean, the the absolute arrogance of that statement is just dumbfounding to me. To actually not only declare it once, trying to justify this preemptive invasion into Syria, but then reassert how exceptional you think this country is to world leaders at the UNGA. I mean, to me, that is mind-blowing, mind-blowingly arrogant, especially in light of, you know, Evo Morales, the Latin America, I'm sorry, Bolivian president, filing a lawsuit with the International Court for crimes against humanity for Obama because he derailed his presidential plan.
plane trying to find Snowden in that giant witch hunt. And then you have the Euro's <laughs> plane being derailed just at the behest of this, of this administration. I mean, can you imagine if these world leaders did this to us? So that would be very well received. What a delight it is to have you on the program tonight. Abby Martin will take a break and be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM, the Friday night Ramajama. Hands behind your head. When you're charged with a crime, you need to call a lawyer now. And when you make that call, you don't want voicemail. You want a lawyer who won't back down from a fight. Call Lawrence Ben Eliezer Direct 24-7. Call 647-224-7779. That's 647-224-7779 for instant access to an experienced criminal lawyer. Call 647-224-7779. Lawrence Ben Eliezer, getting charges dismissed since 1989. Mr. Transmission has kept Canadians on the road. And to celebrate, we're giving you a chance to win a 2013 Mustang convertible. Mr. Transmission, celebrating 50 years. That's right. That's right. I just said that. Visit any of our locations or mrtransmission.com for details. No purchase necessary. Hey, mister, you're a friend of mine. Did you say convertible? Chorus Entertainment. You know us. We're the people behind networks like HBO Canada, YTV, kid shows like Beyblade, and AM640. Chorus is also in your community through Chorus Feeds Kids, a campaign to help alleviate childhood hunger in Canada. Over 300,000 Canadian children visit food banks each month, and Chorus Feeds Kids works directly with organizations in your area to provide nutrition essential to childhood development. Join the campaign and make a donation at ChorusFeedsKids.com. Bill Carroll on Talk Radio, AM 640. Here's a new study that found that 33% of women never never clean the inside of their purses. Okay, so what? What could possibly in, be in there? Well, they found traces of coliforms from the feces of warm-blooded animals. Here's the really scary part. A fifth of those questioned admitted that they often chew a piece of gum that they found lurking loose in the handbag. They usually, they admit, blow the fluff off the piece just to clean it before they pop it into their mouth. Bill Carroll, weekday afternoons, 4 to 7, on Talk Radio, AM AM640, streaming live on 640toronto.com. Hi, I'm Brenda Van Arkel. In June of 2014, I will be riding for the seventh time in the annual Enbridge Ride to Conquer Cancer, benefiting the Princess Margaret. I first joined this two-day, over 200-kilometer cycling adventure from Toronto to Niagara Falls to give thanks to the Princess Margaret for treating my husband Gerard's cancer. He's now 14 years cancer-free. Sadly, I've recently lost my best friend Sally to cancer, so now I ride in her honor. Join me and register today at 877-699-BIKE or conquercancer.ca. That's conquercancer.ca. She's perfect. Jeff, 32. I couldn't be happier. Jeff found his dream real estate agent, Wutsukasa.com. I can't even say three bed, three bath without thinking of her. Jeff loved the all-star directory of top agents on Zucasa from brands like Remax and Century 21. And he got cash back, too. I can see us getting old together and her helping me downsize one day. Zucasa.com. Find top agents. Get cash back. Zucasa is a licensed brokerage and Rogers Communications Company. 
Mike Stafford on Talk Radio AM 640. One cancer researcher says there's no health risk. It's because people don't like the smell. I don't want my afternoon ruined in a public park with the smell of cigarette smoke. You're, dude, you're in a downtown park. Oh, oh, you can smell his new dog shite and old dog shite. No, you just you want to shame smokers to retreat indoors. You want to make this unacceptable social behavior, even though it's legal. Mike Stafford, weekdays 10 to 1. It's time to talk about it on Talk Radio AM 640. Conspiracies, confusion, contradictions. Ask the questions. This is Coast to Coast on Talk Radio AM Presents Coast to Coast AM with John B. Wells. Now, here's John. Steve Gibson on the world anthem, and ain't it the truth? Don't want to sail on this ship of fools. And um, when we come back, which we're going to do in just a second with uh, Abby Martin, I, uh, I want to get her take on exactly how far off we may be from turning this thing around just a little bit. I'm thinking that there would be a lot more anti war protests. If it weren't for one missing component, and that is the draft. In 1969, I was a mere child in the day. But this country came very close to revolution, and everybody knew it. The uh, the authorities knew it, and the people, uh, the citizenry, knew it as well. I believe that this whole thing started downhill long ago, but it became ever so transparent with the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy on November 22, After that... Even though it remained unspoken, everyone seemed to sense that something was dreadfully wrong and had been for a long time. And now, again, I've said it before, I shall say it again, the awakening that we wanted from 2012 is in fact occurring. 
So let's get right back with Abby Martin in just a moment. This is Coast to Coast AM. Don't move a muscle. She approached me weeping. She had lost her diamond, that fancy yellow diamond that I had sold her five years ago. It was a big diamond, and it cost her a lot of money. But then she put the claim in. What had cost her $30,000, she received $300,000. Diamonds for investment. Fancy color diamonds from Omni Jewel Crafters. We cannot guarantee that the market will go up. But we can guarantee that if it does go up, you couldn't have bought it for less. Investments. OmniJewelCrafters.com the untold will unfold. This is Coast to Coast on Talk Radio AM that missing component that he was speaking of earlier the draft there was a draft everybody had to sign up get ready to go to vietnam have a big time over there and the protests were widespread abby what do you think about that do you think the uh the revolutionary spirit might have kicked in with a little more intensity if there had been a draft uh threatening uh all the eligible uh young men primarily to uh go over and and uh get over there to the middle east and get it on Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the establishment learned very well over the decades. Uh, they saw the resistance movement in Vietnam, and so they know, you know, the privatization of the military is really the way to go. I mean, we have tens of thousands of private military contractors in Afghanistan, and people think that the war is over. And according to internal documents, they don't—they can't even trace what these people are doing. I mean, that's the bureaucracy that we're dealing with here. It's just so massive. They—they they have an insatiable urge to just keep con- expanding it. And the corporatization and the corporate takeover of it just keeps it totally removed from people. And now, you know, you have drones basically carrying out these wars. Um, to me, it's much worse because, you know, we don't have people on the ground. So you have this whole other level of detachment from what our tax dollars are really doing halfway across the world. Um, I think they've definitely learned from the draft. They've learned how to manipulate the media. I mean, for goodness sake, we've adopted the entire Nazi propaganda model and are just – have sophisticated it so much 
it's just it's just unbelievable um, the state of reality that we're living in right now. <laughs> yeah, it really is. You want to hear a good one? This, this is ridiculous. This is from um, oh, I don't know about twelve hours ago. Uh, this is a quote. <laughs> a press conference has been held by the president to announce that he's declaring the month of November, yes, National Muslim Appreciation Month. And here's the quote. The Muslim community deserves our full acceptance and respect, Obama told reporters. We have killed millions of Muslims overseas since the September 11th attacks. They are not all bad. In fact, most of them are good. So from now on, November will be a month to celebrate the Muslim community, the Sunnah, and the Quran. <laughs> I, mean, I, I challenge anybody to make up something more, more ludicrous than that. I'm sorry. That's just me, right? Right. I mean, well, we have a Nobel Peace Prize winning president launching more cruise missiles than any other president combined. I mean, it, what what kind of world are we living in right now? I mean, we have, we have poor Iraqis who were tortured in Abu Ghraib trying to gain some sort of justice for their inhumane, dehumanizing treatment. And instead of awarding them... We have a district judge not only dismissing their case, but awarding the defense contractor who tortured them to basically force these torture victims to pay the defense contractor who tortured them. So now they owe $14,000 in legal fees. I mean, this is the upside-down Orwellian world that we live in. Yeah, Muslim Appreciation Day, that's great. So why are you... Uh, like thinking of appointing Ray Kelly, who headed the Stop and Frisk program, who's unconstitutionally spying on all Muslim communities all across New York City. They're talking about designating mosques as terrorist organizations just so they can have no constitutional oversight whatsoever on the blanket spying that's going on there. Yeah, we're treating Muslims really well. Yes, we should take <laughs> the tiger shark mouth off of the drones and put a smiley face on it yeah. instead. You don't mean nothing by it, really. Hey, you know, you mentioned um, I can't couldn't help but notice uh, some years ago that whenever I would particularly leave a, a, a bottle of uh, you know commercially available water, which actually, if, if you look at the uh, the amount that you get, it's uh, more expensive than gasoline, um, and I would notice this burning sensation in the old esophagus if it was exposed to any heat at all. So I quit doing it because I figured it was probably the the, the plastic leaching into the water, and I'm drinking it. Now, I understand you got into a little twist with uh, Nestle. And it's bottled tap water. Yeah, well, I had no idea uh, what was going on with Nestle. You know, I, I like to call out Monsanto or Monsatan um, for their takeover of the food supply and um, their kind of complete dismissal for public safety <clears throat> and uh, the complete entrenchment of, you know, the Monsanto revolving door with this government. And so I was kind of focused on that. But then I found out that Nestle is as big of a problem. Um, not only have they taken over, I mean, pretty much every water bottle, other than like the Sani, Fiji, I mean, pretty much Arrowhead, uh, I can't remember that one, the sparkling water, Perrier, I mean, all these are owned by Nestle. And Nestle is a company that's based in Switzerland, massive, multi-billion dollar company. In fact, they're the largest food company in the world. Wow. Um, I always thought of Nestle as just, you know, the chocolate slave labor. <laughs> I didn't realize that they were actually going out and privatizing water and that the CEO, Brabeck, Peter Brabeck, he's actually the former CEO, current chairman of Nestle, he said he doesn't consider water a human right. He considers those who think of water as a human right extremists, um, <laughs> that, that water should be applied us a value just like every other food stuff and and people who are free market libertarians could say that's fine and that water should be privatized but the problem is nestle has encroached in all of these small municipalities across the world right now they're in hope canada extracting millions of gallons of water every year for free 
not pennies, for literally free because there's zero regulations on this well, and they're just mining it for free, selling it back to the people of Hope Canada for like over a dollar. I mean, that, that's just the complete blatant corruption that Nestle's doing. It's completely dangerous. Um, they're making like millions of percent profit off a, a resource that everyone should have a fair share to. Well, wait a second now. You know, health care is a human right, not water. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's see, what was the old song? N-E-S-T-L-E-S, Nestle's makes the very best profit. Well. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no, so I called them out, and this is the best part. So I just did a little report, you know, on my show, and and then so we get this letter from Nestle to RT, really threatening letter saying, you know, Abby Martin's making hysterical accusations. They're riddled with factual errors. What are you going to do about it? That was what the letter ended with. What are you going to do about it? And I just said, well, why don't we invite him on the show? I said, this is a great opportunity. I said, let's write Nestle. Let's have him come on and have a proper dialogue about rebutting all these facts that I presented. And so I offered them to come on the show. And um, instead of actually coming on, a, a Nestle Android replicant from the future, like a holographic image of this woman on a green screen, like and standing in front of this beautiful glistening lake with a Swiss flag, relayed this message to me. And she's like, hello, Abby, I'm, ne- I'm Stephanie from Nestle. And she just like addressed all my points in this video. And I was just like, this is gold. Like, I can't believe their PR machine is this well suited. They have like the ability to just respond to people. I'm like, I, I was shocked they even took the time because I didn't realize that they were even paying attention, but it really shows you what a machine they are. Um, but so I just kind of mocked that whole, that whole video and I never heard back from them. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think? Um, where, where do you think we're headed with this? Do, do you, do you feel like, uh, you know, the founding fathers warned about the, uh, the absolute guaranteed failure of a, of a two party system? Where that that's it. That's all you got. Two parties, and, and uh, I've said it several times. I mean, I can laugh or I can cry. So I, I seem to make light of it, of everything, but otherwise it comes out like gloom and doom. But it really it's it, it really is like a Three Stooges deal. The left flank has moved over to the right, and the right flank has moved over to the left. So how do we how do we bust this system? Because it needs to be busted. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's going to bust. On itself. I mean, we are looking at an, an empire that's so arrogant. We've never seen an empire like this one, where it's encroaching on all the remaining independent states in the world and, and using this kind of naked militarism. I mean, Obama's speech at the UNGA was just completely shocking because it was just so openly aggressive and imperialistic. I mean, he's just openly saying, we're going to continue encroaching on the world states and taking resources. I mean, this is just how blatant um, what we're doing in the world is. Uh, I still hear people to this day saying, would you rather have Romney? And I'm sorry, but how bad the other guy might be is not ever a reason to vote for a war criminal. And so I just think that people really need to remove themselves from this federal election cycle, and I I can't keep stressing that enough because I just see people around me getting sucked into this cycle and thinking that there's going to be some sort of change when really in a historical sense, federal elections cause very, very minuscule change on a historical timeline. I mean, we're talking about pittance. So I think it's really just about getting involved locally, and I'm not even talking about necessarily 
your local, like, I'm not talking about state governments. Obviously, that's better than federal. But I'm talking about community organizing, reaching out to people, getting on meetup groups, facilitating dialogue about how you can change things in your local municipalities, whether it be through referendums or petitions or something like that. I mean, it's hard because that's that's the age-old question. How can we break the system? Unfortunately, it's going to fall on itself. And the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want to save this country. It's a beautiful country. It's founded on such revolutionary principles. The Constitution of the United States is a beautiful thing. Um, we have fundamental freedoms that were instated to us for a reason, and I just see them completely being shredded. They're, they've been eviscerated, I mean, over the last decade, and it's so unfortunate to see in a post-9-11 world we're all like the proverbial frogs in the pot of boiling water where we're at the peak and there's still so many people asleep or so the establishment would like us to think. I mean, of course, they're never going to show this alternative view on the mainstream media. So it's really about us getting out of our comfort level, stop being afraid, shed yourself of fear, and really cultivating that passion of whatever whatever impacts you, whatever issues impact you the most, reach out about them, start engaging with them, because really that's what life is all about. Now, you uh, you graduated uh, San Diego State University with a, a B.A. in political science, and you were involved in a little community organizing yourself. And uh, sort of, um, as the uh, the mob guys say, made, made your bones becoming a, a 9-11 truth activist, as well as covering the Occupy movement in Oakland in 2011. Uh, that movement seems to have been hijacked. Do you agree with that? And, and if you do, or, or if you, well, if you do, how was it hijacked? Because it seemed like it started off with a single focus, and by the time it was all over with, it was like uh, diluted, and there were so many different, or, or at least it was presented to us, who, who were just kind of sitting back watching and not participating in it, that it, it seemed to lose its focus, and it began Oh, to... Occupy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, let me talk about 9-11, which is, yeah, I mean, I woke up to the two-party system as being a complete sham when I saw Kerry kind of taking this dive, and it seemed really manufactured to me because I was really anti-Bush um, in college, and I was learning kind of about what the American empire was doing for the rest of the world over the last century and just really shocked about the state of, of reality. But I was still just kind of blaming it on the Republicans and saying, oh, it's just Bush, and this is horrible. And I was still just like, I went on a swing state trip for Kerry. I mean, that's how deluded I was. So I understand getting sucked into this two-party thing. Um, but then when the 2004 elections happened, I realized that Kerry was almost taking a dive, and it was just so fake to me. I mean, here you have the exit polls showing it in his favor, and then all of a sudden he they flip, and then he's just like, you know, he's never going to concede. He has all these lawyers on the ground in Ohio, and Ohio is supposed to go to him, and then all of a sudden he just bounces. I mean, he just he just literally just left with the millions of dollars that people had donated to him, and just we didn't hear from him for a couple of years, and now he's back, of course, in full effect, warmonger, super crazy. Um, so that, that was just like kind of a shattering moment for me where I said, there's something very intrinsically wrong with this whole system, and it's not just Republicans, and it's very much crosses party lines. And so I just woke up to, like, 9-11 and, you know, what what's really going on. And, of course, organizing 9-11 truth is very hard because you get shunned by the anti-war community who don't want to go there because it challenges their whole paradigm, um, especially older activists who have been, you know, working for their entire lives um, Democratic activists who just, who just can't even handle talking about issues like that that are very real. I mean, false flags are a very real thing. 
I mean, they've been openly admitted, declassified. So it's just kind of an absurd, taboo subject that's really stunting the dialogue that I think uh, we should be having in this country. That's a whole other issue. But the Occupy movement, yes. As I said before, I think it started off as a very beautiful concept, the fact that you have people rallying against the system as a whole. I think the fact that it couldn't be co-opted is what led to its, you know, it led to this federalized top-down, militarized crackdown in all the camps. But I agree. I think it was way too open. I think allowing, you know, anyone to come in, do mic checks, like kind of the lack of, of organization and leadership really led to its downfall because I think that really easily there could have been a unified message saying this needs to change or some sort of goals put forward. Um, and, and that happened a little bit too late. And so you saw a lot of people just getting completely dismayed because they were just constantly getting beaten up, pepper sprayed, tear gas, and put in jail. I mean, so all the people that just continue to be put out, how many times can you go through that and go through all this legal process before you just get completely demoralized? So it was like all intentional. Um, I think that the sentiment's still alive and well, and we've seen Occupy splinter off into these focus groups that are actually doing much more productive work, like Occupy Sandy, people who helped out in, uh, in the aftermath of the Hurricane Sandy, and you see uh, Rolling Jubilee, the Occupy movement splintered off into this group that's trying to expunge student debt. So there's a lot of great caveats still still happening, but yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, that kind of died off, and I just hope that we can see something really pick up again soon. You know, the uh, the conversation would not be complete unless I, I asked you about um, the Israeli lobby attacked you over some articles that you, uh, uh, I know, I'm not sure if they were articles, were they articles or, or was it a, your, it was a your segment, televised yeah. program? It, it, happened, the, it happened during Operation Pillar of Cloud last year. It was, it was the second siege that we'd seen, a really aggressive siege on Gaza, Gaza City um, because a rocket had been fired into Israel. And so, of course, whenever that happens, you see the uh, Israeli military just launching hellfire missiles over Gaza, white phosphorus, <clears throat> you know, raining down on, on civilians. Of course, there's no real declaration of how that's a war crime and how the chemical weapons shouldn't be used by that state, even though they haven't ratified the chemical weapons treaty. Totally uh, no dialogue about that whatsoever because, you, uh, you know, the U.S. is such tight allies with Israel, so they can do no wrong. Um, even though they're practicing an apartheid state openly, you have laws that just don't apply to Arabs even though there's an overwhelming amount of Arabs in Israel. And so you have this kind of open-air prison, which is Gaza City. And so basically what they did is they just bombed the hell out of Gaza City, and they also deliberately bombed the journalist tower, um, which also hosted RT. RT has a office in this journalist tower, and you had an IDF spokesperson saying, yes, we knew that there were journalists in the building, and... I mean, I saw footage of it. There was a guy who lost his leg. I mean, there's shells throughout the entire building. And so I called them out, and I said, this is absolute crime against humanity. It's unacceptable. <clears throat> it, it's, it's unbelievable. And so I got a lot of hate. Of course, the immediate insult is calling you anti-Semitic just because you're simply criticizing an apartheid state. I don't know how that, how that uh, manifested. Um, it's a very, very effective tool to shut down any sort of criticism about the Israeli government whatsoever. And so I got, yeah, I got the Israeli lobby coming down on me really hard. Um, I had this newspaper who was funded by Israeli bonds and a lot of, like, elements of the Israeli government coming down on me. And so I called them out 
And I just said, look, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to kowtow toward any Jewish or Israeli lobbyist organization or any sort of media attacking me or my network just because I'm calling out crimes against humanity. I mean, attacking journalists on purpose is a war crime. And, uh, and it was amazing. I got to talk to actually Netanyahu's spokesperson <laughs> about this, and he actually apologized and invited me to Israel. It was hilarious. I should take him up on that. I doubt <laughs> they would let me into Gaza, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Are you really? Is this coming up pretty soon? I'm, I'm going to try to pitch for it. Yeah, I really would like to go there. The problem is that it takes weeks to get there, if, if, if at all you're allowed in. So. Well, it's been a pretty quick hour, and I really appreciate your, your being here, Abby. It's, um, it's a real pleasure to talk to you, and I hope to catch up with you again sometime. Plan to, okay? Thank you so much, John. It's a great pleasure to be on. All right, Abby Martin. And uh, she is an amazing artist. Go to uh, abbymartin.org and check her paintings out as well. And don't forget to go over to RT. Uh, it's going to be rt.com slash shows slash breaking dash set dash summary all right we'll be back in a few minutes with shepherd ambellis his website is intellihub i-n-t-e-l-l-i-h-u-b dot com shepherd lee ambellis next on coast to coast am as the friday night ramajama the highest standards of broadcasting it's what we strive for every minute of the day to live up to your expectations is our goal our obligation and as members of the canadian broadcast standards council our promise is to be accountable to you have a comment to make about our programming visit cbsc.ca to find information on the council and its codes a message from the canadian association of broadcasters and talk radio am 640 with all new episodes of Property Brothers on W Network this fall, John and Drew have let loose. Stop! Hey, Jonathan, no time to play. It's the Property Bros Exposed. Ignore the boob and booty order in this bathroom. I like it. Like you've never seen them before. You were about to punch me there. Oh, mama. Maybe if you kiss them, this will turn into a shining new kitchen. She tried that with me. It didn't work. <laughs> Property Brothers, new episode Tuesday at 8 on W. Do you hear that? Listen close. It's coming from your child. And sadly, it's the sound of your pills. Prescription medicine is the new drug, and three-quarters of our kids get it from home. Stop the abuse. Your kids need you to take back all unused medicine. Learn how and where at canadadrugfree.org. A message from the Partnership for a Drug-Free Canada. I got you something from McDonald's. 